How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is Dolphins Rewind on the home of every Miami Dolphins game. AM 560, FM 99.9 HD2, The Joe, WQAM, and streaming on the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Lexus, who invite you to see, hear, feel, and experience amazing. All right, let's get week seven rolling. Good morning, everybody. Not at 5 a.m. start time, which I'm happy about. This game not in London, but back at Hard Rock Stadium. You got the Falcons coming in today. They're 2-3. and three. They're coming off their bye week. They beat the New York Jets in London 27-20. to 20. And obviously, you all know the Miami Dolphins lost to a team that had lost their 20 previous games. That's right. Miami Dolphins lose in London to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to talk about that game briefly here in the first segment. We will get to the Deshaun Watson stuff because it did dominate the headlines later in the week when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. And of course, we will preview today's game against the Atlanta Falcons. I'm Alejandro Solana. Every weekday, or excuse me, every Sunday, I should say, 8 to 9 a.m. when the Dolphins play at 1 and when the Dolphins play at any other time other than 9.30 in the morning. That's when you can hear the Miami Dolphins Rewind show throughout the season with me, Solana. You can also hear me 2 to 6 p.m. weekdays on Hawkman and Crowder. You're going to hear Crowder coming up in about an hour on the Miami Dolphins pregame show. That's Dolphins game day coming up at 9 a.m. And of course, right here on 560 WQAM, you've got your kickoff between the Dolphins and the Falcons coming up at 1 p.m. So thoughts on the Jaguars game? Again, briefly, I don't want to spend too much time on it because listen, the truth of the matter is the Miami Dolphins should not be in this position where they're losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was a team, like I just mentioned, and like all of you know, it was a stat that we were all very well aware of, Jacksonville losing twenty their 20 previous tries at football. The last time, the last 20 times the Jacksonville Jaguars took the field before London, they lost. And Dolphins, there's no other way to put it. Um, just an embarrassing loss in London. And I don't want to put all the blame on, you know, one person or one area, but Brian Flores and the coaching staff, in my opinion, let this team down. Um, look, Tua comes back after his fractured ribs off the IR, kind of injects some life into this team early on, right? His performance overall in that game uh, was good. I thought was very good. He had the one interception. I understand that it was a pretty errant throw. Uh, but other than that one interception, I thought Tua Tungo-Iloa played a really solid game. It was better than I expected considering the circumstances. And 
later on in that game, in the most crucial part of the game for the Miami Dolphins, to run the ball with Malcolm Brown on fourth and one, again, in that situation, to me, indicated that this coaching staff just does not trust Tua Tungabailoa. And again, I don't know if that was Brian Flores' call. Ultimately, it was discussed throughout the week, and he took credit for it. He took the blame, uh, as he always does. Um, I don't know if it was you know, the offensive coordinators, plural, who made that call. But again, fourth and one, after Tua's performance throughout the entire game, where you know, threw for 300-plus yards, he had the two touchdowns to Jalen Waddell. It was just a promising outing from Tua Tungavailoa. And not to give him the ball in that position, just really frustrating. Really, really frustrating. And as far as Tua goes, again, I told you he played very well. Ultimately, he does come up short and he doesn't win that game. I'm upset with that play call. But at the end of the day, when you look back back at that game in a year from now, you don't remember that fourth and one call, right? You remember the fact that Tua Tungavailoa could not win that game as the starting quarterback. Uh, but I'm not blaming him, right? I don't think anybody's blaming Tua. Uh, what I noticed in that loss more than anything, truthfully, is that Tua Tungavailoa is the least of our worries at this very moment. Sure, a lot of you were upset with Justin Herbert that the Dolphins didn't take him. They took Tua over him, and Justin Herbert has looked great, even though he didn't look great Sunday uh, versus the Baltimore Ravens. But um, I understand that. You're fixated on Justin Herbert. You're fixated on him being a better quarterback than Tua. Fine, go ahead. But despite that, right now, Tua Tungvailoa is the least of the Miami Dolphins' worries. Because again, uh, other than that interception he threw that was very questionable, he's a second-year player. You expect him to make some mistakes like that at times throughout the season. Um, And he was 33 of 47, 329 yards, two touchdowns to Jalen Waddell. He told us this week he was fighting through pain. He did all that fighting through fractured ribs and... Truthfully, it's what we wanted to see from him, right? Like I told you, I thought he exceeded my expectations at the very least, where I would have been happy with, you know, a 200-yard game, uh, a couple touchdowns, error-free football from Tua. And yes, we got the one interception, but man, I thought he outperformed what I expected him to do. Now, Jacksonville doesn't kick a field goal or doesn't make a field goal all season long. They make three against the Dolphins, the one at the end to win the game. Um, and by the way, the execution there by Jacksonville late in the game, Trevor Lawrence finding, uh, who was it? LaVisca Chenault and him getting down, them taking the timeout, all of that credit to Jacksonville. They did what they had to do to win that game. Um, and we can blame Brian Flores for taking those timeouts for throwing those challenges. I think that's fine. But ultimately urban Meyer, who's been a disaster Off the field, we're all well aware of his extracurriculars off the field. But on the field as well, this is a Jacksonville team who hasn't looked good. He's celebrating at the end of the game and outcoached Brian Flores. There's no other way to put it. He outcoached Brian Flores, and that's tough to swallow, truthfully. It is tough to swallow watching Urban Meyer win a football game over somebody who um, I believe is a much better football coach than Urban Meyer. And... Let's be real, man. Once you've lost five straight, lose to the worst team in the NFL after getting your starting quarterback back in the starting lineup, uh, it's it's time to look at everybody involved, right? At this point, you know, I know a lot of people are upset at Austin Jackson, who's had a tough year. I know everybody 
is out on Chris Greer, right? Because he ha- seems like he hasn't hit on any draft pick. No Igbenogany, um didn't play well in that game, finally getting his chance. And uh, there was a couple catches over him uh, that led to Jacksonville scores. A lot of you are upset with Tua, right? And I get it. The blame can be placed in several different places. But after that loss, after losing to Jacksonville, you have to put some blame on Brian Flores, not just for that game, but for what we've seen over the past over the past five games, over the course of the last five games. As much as I've loved Flo and I've advocated for Brian Flores, I've told you I'm sticking with Brian Flores through all of this, and I still believe he can be a very good head coach. Uh, here's the reality you're facing. You're being outscored by 78 points this season. That's the second worst point differential in the NFL. You were one forced fumble away in week one from being winless. Think about that. If Xavier Howard doesn't make that incredible play versus the New England Patriots in Foxborough, you were winless. This is an offense, still can't move the ball consistently. When you need a big play, when you need a fourth and one conversion to go down the field and win the game, can't convert it. Again, terrible play call in my opinion to give it a Malcolm Brown. Arguably season is on the line. And I get it. Chances of Dolphins making the playoffs was slim to none, right? Even if they win that game against Jacksonville. It was the worst team in the NFL. So in reality, um, it may not make a difference in the at the end of the season. But you start there. You start with Jacksonville. You start by beating up on a bad team. And to give Malcolm Brown the ball on fourth and one in a position where Most likely, you lose that game if you don't convert, and that's what ended up happening, ultimately. I I just don't get it. It's just so tough for me to understand. And this is a team that seems to have gotten worse week to week. They've regressed week to week. I mean, you can point to the first half versus uh, Tampa Bay if you want, where they don't come out as poorly as they did against Indianapolis. Uh, But bottom line, when this team needs to make plays, they can't. They can't. And... It's not like I'm calling for Brian Flores to be fired. You know, I want to make it clear I wouldn't do that. I still think he can be a good coach. Especially in Miami. I still think he can be a good coach in Miami. But what we've seen thus far this season, especially against the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's it's embarrassing. There's no other way to put it. It is embarrassing. And I get that the problems are bigger than Brian Flores. They may even be bigger than Chris Greer. Maybe. That's a conversation... That could potentially be had as well. But the Dolphins lost to the worst team in the NFL. A team who hadn't won in their last 20 tries. And in large part, it had to do with coaching mistakes made by the guy in charge. So that's where I start with, right there. That's where I start with. Um, Earlier this week, Dave Hyde of the Sun Sentinel, he was on with Joe Rose and, um, you know, they asked him what the biggest problem the Dolphins are facing right now is after losing to Jacksonville. And a lot of what he had to say on the Joe Rose show was that Krantz kind of sums up the way I'm feeling about this loss as well. It's the same problem. And in the last 20 years, it's always, to me, the guy picking the players. He's the most important person in the franchise. Okay, until you get a, until you get a franchise quarterback then that, that guy becomes the most important person in the franchise, okay? But the guy picking the players, uh, Mike Tannenbaum was awful when he was here. Uh, Jeff Ireland was awful when he was here. 
And and that's why the regimes keep changing. They can't find that. And and the short answer to it all is a quarterback, as we all know. Look at the guys they passed on in the in the last. They didn't want Lamar Jackson. They didn't want Josh Allen. They didn't want Justin Herbert. And all those guys are what top six, seven quarterbacks in the league right now. And and you know it, it adds something that look you, you see what Ryan Tannehill's doing in. Tennessee too, and it tells you it's not just the quarterback, but um, you know the, 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 this team is a mess. As I wrote Sunday, this is the worst organization in football again. I mean, the other the other awful organizations are in the first year of rebuild: the Jets and the Lions, yeah. um, the Jaguars. Uh, this team's in year three, and and Chris Greer's drafting and free agent money has. Name me the elite players on the team. Name me the guys who are above average even right now. Again, that's Dave Hyde of the Sun Sentinel on with Joe Rose and Zach Krantz earlier this week on QAM. Just to kind of piggyback on what Dave had to say there. Um, and I say this a lot. It, it, you, you probably, if you listen to this show, I probably sound like a broken record. But look, I'm 27 years old. I was born in 1994. And I didn't really get to appreciate the Dan Marino years. I always make the joke, uh, like, uh, number 13 is memorable in Miami for Bam Adebayo. Uh, if you listen to the Hawk and Crowder show, I make that joke a lot. Obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek. I understand Dan Marino's a legend. It's him and Dwayne Wade, 1A, 1B in this town. Those are the two greatest athletes in Miami sports history. There's no doubt about it. And I understand that. Dan Marino is a legend. I have a number 13 jersey. I have a poster of Dan Marino in my room, despite the fact that, you know, I didn't get to appreciate the appreciate him and his greatness the way I wish I had. I was just too young by the time uh, I started to really appreciate Dolphins football in the NFL. I didn't get I didn't get to appreciate the greatness of Don Shula. All I've experienced in my lifetime is 7 and 9. Playoff losses, mediocre rosters, and expectations that never get fulfilled. And I understand the frustration from all of us fans because I'm living it. Two decades of this franchise selling us a bag of goods and never coming through with a legitimate winning product. And I'm tired of it just as much as you guys are, and I thought this year was going to be different, and it hasn't been. So, again, as much as I love Brian Flores... As much as I bought into what Chris Greer was selling us, this has been, for me, as tough to watch as it has been for all of you out there. And that loss to the Jaguars was kind of the icing on the cake for it all, where it's like this come-to moment, hey, we're right back where we were three years ago, and it sucks. It really sucks to witness. Um, I'm not giving up though. You know, I, I get this season isn't going to end up being a playoff season. Um, and I, I, I don't want to do a full hour on this team is going nowhere. I don't want to blast Brian Flores and Chris Greer for this full hour because it's just not fun. And I want to have fun today. Now, uh, how about this? How about a complete 180? And, uh, some of you want to be positive. I want to be positive. So how about this? I wrote down some things to be I guess, optimistic about. I get there aren't many because this team has clearly regressed in year three, uh, but the Dolphins will play six of their next eight games at home at Hard Rock Stadium. They have the third easiest remaining schedule according to ESPN's Football Power Index 
They get to play the Jets twice, the Texans, who are maybe the worst team in the NFL, the Panthers, the Giants, and the Patriots again. Uh, Those are all winnable games if this team, right? Again, I'm trying to be optimistic here, can come together and play the way we hoped they would coming into this season. Now, that obviously has to do a lot with Tua Tungavailoa's play, but it also has to do a lot with guys staying healthy. Can Devontae Parker, can Preston Williams get on the damn field and play a game, dress for the game? Can Xavier Howard and Byron Jones be healthy? Because I maintain if those two guys were healthy, they probably don't lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Now, I know the story that really overshadowed the worst loss maybe in uh, Miami Dolphins football in a very long time was yet another Deshaun Watson trade rumor. Um, And it came from John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. Obviously, everybody's well aware of, uh, of the trade rumors. I'll discuss it in the next segment because we can't just ignore it. Right, We can't just ignore it. We'll do that next on the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show. Plus, I'll have some injury updates again, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, some uh, some roster updates as well from the Miami Dolphins in case you missed them yesterday. And we'll look ahead to the Falcons game coming up today at 1 p.m. Again, I'll remind you, coming up in less than an hour, 9 a.m., Kevin Rogers, Channing Crowder, they'll have your Miami Dolphins pregame show. That's Dolphins game day. And then again, kickoff at 1 p.m. More Dolphins Rewind next. Let's get back to Dolphins Rewind on the Joe. Brought to you by Lexus, who encourages you to experience amazing. Welcome back to the Miami Dolphins Rewind show here on 560 WQAM. What's up, everybody? It's Solana. Getting your car. Maybe you're on your way to Hard Rock Stadium for your early uh, tailgate. Maybe you're going to Publix to get some stuff. Glad you're here with us on the Miami Dolphins Rewind show. Coming up in uh, less than an hour, you'll have Kevin Rogers and Channing Crowder with Dolphins game day. I'll lead you up until 9 a.m. here. And then, of course, you'll have kickoff at 1 p.m. here as the Miami Dolphins take on the 2-3 and three Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan coming in to Hard Rock Stadium to face off versus Tua Tungavailoa. We'll preview the game in just a couple of minutes. By the way, before we get into some of the Deshaun Watson stuff, um, I did want to fill you in, uh, not only on the injury report, but there were some Miami Dolphins roster moves yesterday. Uh, in case you missed them, the Dolphins tweeted them out. They've promoted Isaiah Ford. He's back to the active roster. They waived quarterback Reed Sinnott. So uh, just a couple weeks ago, we were. I, I know there's a lot of people campaigning for Reed Sinnott after how poorly Jacoby Brissett played. Now he won't even be on the roster, the Dolphins also tweet out that they've elevated center Cameron Tom to the active roster for Sunday's game. I'll have your injury report for you in just a couple of moments. Also, I was looking at the uh, the Dolphins' Twitter account this morning just to make sure I didn't miss anything crucial, and they tweeted out all white everything for today's game. So the Dolphins will be wearing all white versus the Atlanta Falcons. No throwbacks. No throwbacks today. You guys know how much I love the throwbacks, uh, but uh, they will be wearing all white for those of you heading to the game. Pull out your white jerseys. Uh, Something really cool that happened, by the way, regarding the Miami Dolphins, it was probably the only cool thing to come out of the Dolphins trip to London because the Dolphins got their ass beat. I shouldn't say got their ass beat, but they lost to the worst team in the NFL. So overall, it was a pretty depressing London trip. But something pretty cool that 
came about it was um, if you watch Ted Lasso, for those of you who are watching Ted Lasso, and I'm a huge fan of the show. If you haven't, uh, I think it's on Apple TV, Jason Sudeikis. It's kind of a soccer show, but it's really just like this heartwarming sitcom. I don't know how else to put it for those of you who haven't seen it, but most of you have because I think right now it's one of the most popular shows in the United States. Uh, won a ton of Emmys a couple weeks ago as well. There's a character in the show. His name is, um, in the show, I think his name is Isaac. I think his last name is McAdoo, but for sure it's Isaac. He's on the team that Ted Lasso coaches, and he was at the game rocking this like vintage, badass Dolphins uh, jacket. And there's a video of him that went viral amongst Dolphins Twitter where he's just cheering the Dolphins on. And he quote tweets the, the tweet. And this is after the Dolphins lose. And he goes, this game had me heated, tags the Miami Dolphins at the Dolphins. Just know you got a fan for life. Hashtag fins up. So look, we got Isaac McAdoo on our side from Ted Lasso. And no matter what the Dolphins do, one in five, five straight losses, lose to the worst team in the NFL. My guy Isaac jumping on the Dolphins bandwagon, ride or die. You like to see that. So pretty cool there uh, for those of you who are Ted Lasso fans. Um, and I guess now we'll, we'll get into some of this Deshaun Watson stuff. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Everybody has their take. I get it. Everybody's cemented into the ground with their take. Um uh, oh, I, I wanted to get to something because I saw a text earlier about the Dolphins. So the Falcons coming into Hard Rock Stadium with a bye, right? Coming off a bye and the Dolphins playing in London don't have a bye. I wanted to clear it up because the Dolphins don't have a bye because they didn't want it. The Dolphins, it was reported, asked for a bye, uh, asked for a bye week later this season. They asked for it from the NFL and the NFL granted it. Uh, I read this. From the Miami Herald, I think Daniel Yafusi wrote it in the Miami Herald. He covers the Miami Dolphins. He's their beat writer. Um, all other teams who have played in London this season, the Falcons, who are here in Hard Rock Stadium today, the Jaguars, who the Dolphins played, and the New York Jets, who lost to the Falcons, they had buys following their games in the UK. According to the Associated Press, of the 60 times a team has traveled to play in a game in London, only five times has the team not had a bye week uh, the following week. The last time this occurred... You ask? The Miami Herald writes, The Miami Dolphins in 2017 returning from a shutout loss to the New Orleans Saints. I don't know if this is Flores and uh, or maybe Greer or whoever in the Dolphins getting a little cutesy, right? Because they thought this was going to be a very different season. They thought returning from London, this record wouldn't be 1-5. They thought it'd be a very different outlook hosting the Atlanta Falcons, who we knew were going to be bad coming into the season and the Dolphins thought they could you know get away with traveling from London essentially this turns out to be a short week for the Dolphins if you really think about it they lose half a day of sleep traveling back from London um or maybe not I, I don't think I got the time zones right there but regardless uh, they fly from London all the way to Miami uh it's a long ass flight after you get your ass beat by Jacksonville can't imagine that's fun um and you lose that day of practice in Miami because of uh of the lack of sleep after the game. So I, I just think it's a little cutesy there from Brian Flores. I, I didn't want to forget that. So I squeezed it in there. Uh, back to the Deshaun Watson stuff. So here's the report. Here's the timeline of events from earlier this week. It was released like on Wednesday afternoon. And of course, dominated the conversation for the next couple of days. Even today, the Houston Chronicle reports 
that the Dolphins could complete a trade for Watson sometime this week. Now, NFL trade deadline is November 2nd. So, I mean, it all kind of makes sense that this report is uh, is coming up right now. And according to NFL reporter Aaron Wilson, the Texans continue to discuss a potential trade to the Dolphins and are, quote, maintaining hope of hammering out a deal. I'll remind you, the Houston Chronicle said that that, re- that deal could be done by the end of this week. Jeff Darlington, he was on Ryan Russillo's podcast. He said, quote, Deshaun Watson has only told the Texans he's willing to go to Miami. That's the only team he signed off on. I'll remind everybody, Deshaun Watson he has a no trade clause. So that's also something to keep in mind um, when you're talking about, you know, potential places or potential uh, potential teams that may now, hearing the Dolphins uh, are this close, according to reports, to getting a trade done, uh, it could have been just this report leaked by the Texans to get other people involved as well. But according to Jeff Darlington, the Miami Dolphins are the only team to Sean Watson has, uh, has told the Texans he'd be willing to go to. Now, obviously, what cannot be overlooked here is that there's 22 massage therapists that have accused Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct, and there are over 10 criminal complaints against uh, against Deshaun Watson. No charges have been filed, and the NFL is yet to suspend Deshaun Watson or place him on the commissioner's exemplist. So where does that leave us? Right? Like, what questions need to be answered here? Will Deshaun Watson play football again? Do you want to trade for someone that may not be able to play football? That's a very uh, strong possibility. And most importantly, do you want someone with 22 sexual misconduct uh, accusations playing for your franchise? I can't answer any of those questions for you. And I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make this decision. I'm glad I'm not Chris Greer or Steven Ross. And for the record, I still like Tua Tagovailoa as the quarterback for the Dolphins. I think he can be good, as I told you last segment, with the right pieces around him. Uh, but is Deshaun Watson a better quarterback? Yes. Period, point blank, he's a better quarterback. Um, I'm not telling you that I want the Dolphins to trade for Deshaun Watson. I asked the, the question... Uh, which I said was the most important one. Do you want someone with 22 sexual misconduct accusations playing for your franchise? And my answer to that would be no. Ultimately, Steven Ross will be the one making this decision. And I've seen a lot of people say, you know, this is Chris Greer trying to make his his last-ditch effort to save his job. Um, and on if you listen to Hawk and Crowder 2 to 6 p.m., um, earlier this week here on QAM, um, they were really quick to shut this down. They opened my eyes to like the idea that Chris Greer is, is the one calling the shots here. Chris Greer trying to save his job. Things haven't gone right. And, you know, this is him doing whatever he can to prove that he's worthy as GM. Like it, it, It's nonsense. It's total nonsense because this isn't like a move that Chris Greer uh, makes out of desperation this type of trade for a guy who has this much baggage has tremendous consequences. Regardless if he ends up being charged or not, those accusations exist and those aren't going away. So this has to be coming straight from the top. That's Steven Ross, period, point blank. He's the owner of the team 
And he's the one saying, if, the, if these reports are true, again, if these reports are true, it's Steven Ross. It's the owner of the team. He's saying, I want this guy. I want Deshaun Watson because he makes our football team immediately better and he solves the issue that's plagued this franchise and, frankly, this owner's tenure as, uh, as owner of the Dolphins finding a franchise quarterback. But again, there's so much left to be learned as this legal process plays out that does the reward outweigh the risk of everything that comes with that? Again, my answer to that, no. That was my answer. But everybody has their opinion on this. Everybody feels the way that they feel about this. And I'm not trying to convince you one way or another. It's just how I feel personally about it. Now, Safadine of USA Today Sports Plus, he joined Hockman and Crowder Earlier this week on 560 WQAM, this was the day after the Deshaun Watson rumors to talk to Hawk and Crowder, kind of get a feel for what the last 24 hours had been like since that first report from the Houston Chronicle dropped. Um, Guys, you know, the last 24 hours, I really look at it as Houston pulling out, you know, a a little signal. They're they're putting on a bad signal and they're they're telling the rest of the NFL if if you guys want Deshaun Watson we we got to offer on the table we got to offer we're listening to but now's the time to jump back in the mix here um if you really want to get Deshaun Watson and um you know like you said yesterday was 13 days today's 12 days till the trade deadline on November 2nd and um you know I don't know if this this trade goes through guys I'll be honest I, I think Deshaun Watson he's not going to be approached by um you know authorities to present his case and everything that's going on with him with the 22 sexual misconduct lawsuits, civil lawsuits, by the way, um, until next April. So we don't know if Deshaun Watson can play this season. You don't know how long or how much of a suspension he might face next year. Um, you still don't know if jail time may be in or out of the question also. So, um, you know, for, for a team to make a move on Deshaun Watson like the Dolphins right now, you're trying to get ahead of the line in the offseason. You're trying to get ahead of the line before all his stuff is resolved, hopefully before the draft next year, um, where if Houston waits this out, they can drive the price up as high as they want to drive it um, when there's more clarity now. But um, the the last 24 hours, I think Houston's pretty much done the whole NFL. If you have an offer, you guys want to make an offer to get him now while the price is relatively somewhat lower than what it would be because of everything hanging in the wind, um, now's the time to approach them. And Safed, you said, like you said, the 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 Texans have sent out the back signal, but they sent out the back signal early. This this tie to the Dolphins have been since this summer. Why are the Dolphins always attached to the Deshaun Watson move? Did the Dolphins have something to do with that, or is it because Deshaun has has said the Dolphins are a team he played for? Yeah, it's, it's Deshaun saying that. It's Deshaun having a no trade clause, so he ultimately has the final say and where he ends up and. Um, if you're Deshaun Watson, why wouldn't you come and want to come and play in Miami, right? So um, that factor plays a huge thing, deal into it. And also, you know, you have Tua Tagovailoa on the other side, who um, underwhelmed as a rookie um, the first year he played back since he broke his hip, and um, you know he's injured earlier this season. Had a great game against Jacksonville, but you know he's an easy target to kind of peg this on as well. If you're everybody else and the national media as well, so. Um, and the Dolphins have not, you know, hid themselves from this conversation either. They're still talking to, to the Texans about him. Nick Casario knows Brian Flores as well. I'm sure they have a, a relationship with Chris Greer as well, too. So um, the conversations have been ongoing. The Texans and Watson have pretty much told everybody they don't want to, you know, be together anymore. That's been the case since the beginning of this year. 
Um, still been the case since Watson's allegations, you know, came to light in March. Um, try to get a trade before the draft. Obviously, nobody wanted to touch Watson, and people still have apprehensions of touching him now because of the fact that his, you know, allegations and lawsuits are hanging in the wind until maybe early next year. So um, I don't know if this, this gets done in 12 days. I don't know if, you know, a third team wants to jump in the mix for Tua because um, now would be the time to go get him as well. But if you're the Dolphins, you're 1-5. I don't know why you make this trade um, this season. It's not like Deshaun Watson going to come in and play. You guys are going to go undefeated and still make the playoffs. I don't think that happens. Um, and unless you want for next year, you don't really know how much he's going to play next year too. So it's just a risky move all altogether for me. That's the crazy part to me. Safed Dean from USA Today Sports Plus is with us. It is so risky football-wise because you don't know – when he's going to be eligible eligible to play, and you don't know if that eligibility is going to be revoked at any moment, and it's a risky move franchise-wise because you don't know what the public reaction is going to be if you go out and it's one thing to have a guy already on your team that's accused of something. Well, he's already on your team. He's already on the payroll. You allow the legal process to play out. It's another thing to give away a ton of future assets in order to bring a guy in that's got all these lawsuits hanging over him, potentially criminal charges, but no criminal charges yet. The risk on this, I I am so confused by why the Dolphins seemingly are continuing to pursue him. I agree with you, Hawk, and I I look at the Dolphins too, and I, I look at Chris Greer as somebody who's very, very against taking on a risky decision like this here. I mean, well, you know, and, and then where did, where did Chris, and, Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores stand after this season, too? I mean, look, there, there's still plenty of football to play here. And, you know, let's say you do get Deshaun Watson. What do you do with Tua? Do you have Tua play the rest of the season with Deshaun out and he's your lame duck quarterback? That's not a great move for Tua. Tua's already in a bad position the past year because of all these rumors. And, um, you know, if you part ways with him, who do you have playing for the rest of the year? Jacoby Brissett? Do you, do you tank the rest of the season away? Um, what, what message does that send to the rest of the players? If you got Watson, he can't play. He doesn't know when you're going to play. You know, overall, this is a really, really big, big and risky decision the Dolphins have to make if they're going to make it. And they've continued to with the Texans. Um, 12 days to the trade deadline. We'll see how this goes, guys. But um, so far from it, I would stay away. That's Safa Dean there of USA Today Sports Plus. You should follow Safa Dean on Twitter if you don't already do so. He's really good at what he does. He is the NFL insider, again, for USA Today Sports Plus. He was on Hawk and Crowder earlier this week. They're talking about Deshaun Watson. Before we go to break and before we preview today's game, a 1 p.m. kickoff as the Dolphins host the Atlanta Falcons, I do want to play for you the uh, portion of Friday's press conference where Brian Flores is finally asked about these Deshaun Watson rumors. He has been asked about this before. These rumors have surfaced throughout the season at different parts of the season. Brian Flores has been asked this question multiple times about the rumors. He always defers and defaults to he wants to focus on the guys in the locker room. He said many times um, in in several different ways that Tua Tungavailoa is the guy and he has all the confidence in the world. And he kind of stuck with that answer again here. Uh, But there were a couple follow-up questions, which you're going to hear here from Omar Kelly of the Sun Sentinel and Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post, which I thought were really good and fair questions regarding not only Tua Tungavailoa, but 
you know, the locker room in general dealing with these trade rumors? Ryan, I, I know you're saying like your focus is on Atlanta, but just other elephant in the room. There are reports out of Houston that trade talks between you guys and the Texans for Deshaun Watson have started again or have continued this week. Is there any truth to that or is there anything you can comment about that? You know, I don't really get into rumors. Two is our quarterback. We're happy with the quarterback, our quarterback situation. And, you know, I'll leave it at that, which, you know, I've, you know we've said and I've said multiple times. With this situation, uh, a head coach's job and responsibility is to minimize distractions. Obviously, this thing has lingered for quite a while. Um, considering the team is on a five-game losing streak, aren't you concerned about the distraction that this could potentially cause? Not just for this Sunday, but for next Sunday before the trade deadline? I, I really don't see it as a distraction. I think you know our players are kind of blocking out all the stuff that's going on outside of our building. That's what I've seen here in the building and meetings and, and, and practice. And, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, our, our focus is on Atlanta, and that's really where our focus should be. Specific to two, what are you doing, what are your coaches doing, what is the staff doing to try to ensure that the reports about continued trade discussions do not negatively impact his psyche? I think his preparation, the way he practices, and the way he performs has been good. I thought he played very well last week. You know, he was out for a couple games, for a few games, and when he came back and played, I thought, very well last week so I think his psyche's in a, in a good place he's a confident kid he's a tough kid and really he's played in two games this year so he should have a lot of confidence in the way he's played we have a lot of confidence in him because of the way he's played and we just you know our focus is on you know Atlanta and trying to you know for him to play you know to play well again all right we're only one segment away from Dolphins game day and then week seven officially takes off here on 560 WQAM. I'm Solana. We'll have one more segment of Dolphins Rewind. We'll preview today's game coming up next here on the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show. Welcome back to Dolphins Rewind on the Joe. Brought to you by Lexus. Experience amazing. All right, final segment here on the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show. Almost time for Dolphins game day with, uh, with Channing Crowder and Kevin Rogers. And then, of course, kickoff at 1 p.m. today from Hard Rock Stadium. You can hear right here, your home for the Miami Dolphins, 560 WQAM. I'll be at the stadium today uh, with uh, with the broadcast crew. And I, I saw this tweet. I was just scrolling through Twitter here. And I saw this tweet from a buddy of mine. His name is Jesse at JTweets23. He tweeted last night, 12 a.m. Jesse tweeted this. We've sucked, but it's still game day. With the little dolphins emoji, fins up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of how I'm feeling, right? Uh, this this season hasn't been what we wanted it to be, but it's still game day. It's it's week seven. You can still make this season count. Maybe you can't make the playoffs. Who knows? Uh, you can still make this season count. And I'm you know I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Tua today. I'm looking forward to see how this team bounces back from one of the worst losses, truthfully, that I can remember. In, uh, in my lifetime as being a Miami Dolphins fan. I have your latest injury report. This was on Friday, and we're going to get the inactives later today, probably at around uh, at around 9 or 10, uh, maybe 11. But here was your last injury report on Friday. What was obviously concerning was Xavier Howard, 
and Byron Jones. Limited in practice on Friday and then officially listed as questionable. Devontae Parker, questionable as well. Preston Williams, questionable as well. And how about Jalen Phillips? Limited all week. He's questionable today as well. Greg Mance, he's questionable every week. And um, Noah Igbenogany, he was placed on the injury report Friday, limited in practice, uh, and questionable as well. So I don't know who's playing uh, defensive back for the Dolphins today. Uh, hey, Javon Holland, figure it out. Figure it out. Brandon Jones, figure it out. <laughs> um, Malcolm Brown, he was limited, but um, uh, on Friday, Tua Tungabailoa also limited. But all those guys expected to play today. Jacoby Brissett limited as well. All those guys expected to play. I read you there the questionables. Xavier Howard, Noah Igbenogany, Byron Jones, Devontae Parker. Again, because if Devontae Parker's not on the injury report, it, it it's not a Dolphins football game, right? It's just not a Dolphins football game. Five reasons the Dolphins should be concerned about the Falcons. I read this on Dolphins Wire. The first one, I'll read some of these here. The first one, I just read you the injury report. The first one here on this list, the Dolphins are dealing with a ton of injuries. So, goes without saying. The next one, Cal Pitts presents a matchup problem. It reads, the rookie tight end was taken fourth overall. We know. Making him the highest drafted tight end in the history of the league. We know. He's fast and quick, just like a wide receiver. We know that as well. But tall and strong like a tight end. Yeah, we know. Uh, sucks reading this. Uh, Miami will have two options to cover Pitts. Double cover him with a linebacker and a safety or put a cornerback on him. Both of these options leave Josh Boyer's defense in a tough spot. And if Howard or Jones can't go, Pitts could be burning the secondary. Again, this is courtesy of the Dolphins Wire. Five reasons the Dolphins should be concerned about the Atlanta Falcons. The next one. They have been good at protecting Matt Ryan. Of all active quarterbacks, Ryan has been sacked the third most times at 481 sacks. However, this year the Falcons have been doing well keeping the quarterback off his back. Atlanta is allowing one and a half sacks per game, which is good for seventh fewest averaged in the league. Unfortunately for Miami, they have been one of the worst teams at getting to the quarterback themselves. Their 1.8 sacks per game are tied for the sixth lowest average in the NFL. The last one I'll read for you here. Miami is still struggling to run the ball. The Falcons are 12th in the league in fewest rushing yards allowed. That's 108.2 per week. And while most teams wouldn't be dissuaded from running the ball against this team, the Dolphins have no reason to believe they can. In their Week 6 matchup with Jacksonville, who were ranked 20th against the run in the NFL, allowing 121.8 yards per game, the Dolphins only attempted 20 rushes for just 77 yards. After head coach Brian Flores and running back Malcolm Brown both mentioned that they should be running the ball more, it will be interesting to see if there's any commitment to that. Regarding running the ball more, I'd love to see it. I'm sure Malcolm Brown would love to get more touches, despite the fact that he can't convert a fourth and one to save his life. But yeah, all of us would love to run the ball more. The problem is the Dolphins can't, and they haven't been able to do it consistently. And it's been one of the more really frustrating things about this offense. You saw Miles Gaskin get involved Maybe it wasn't running the ball, but it certainly was effective versus Tampa Bay in that first half, and then we just don't see it again. We, we just don't see him being implemented in this offense. It's just one of those frustrating parts about this Dolphins offense where Preston Williams comes out of nowhere in that game against Tampa Bay. You get him involved early, 
and then he's nowhere to be seen. Jalen Waddle, early involvement versus Jacksonville, and goes two quarters without a play being drawn up for him or, or a ball finding him. It's just one of these things that doesn't make any sense when you're watching the Miami Dolphins offense. Falcons are favored today in Miami by two and a half points. Their last meeting uh, was in 2017 in Atlanta. That was actually a game where Dolphins down 17 to nothing at halftime. They scored 20 unanswered. You're going to hear a little montage of that coming up if you're going to listen to Dolphins game day with Kevin Rogers and Channing Crowder. Um, Falcons offense, they come in overall 20th in the NFL, 24th rushing in the NFL, 12th passing in the NFL, credit to Matt Ryan, and they're tied 22nd in scoring. Their defense overall ranked 13th in the NFL, 12th ranked at uh, defending uh, the rush, 14th ranked defending the pass, and they're 31st in scoring. And I'll, I'll read you the Dolphins numbers here, even though it's not pretty. 30th overall in the NFL. They're 32nd in the NFL in rushing, dead last. 28th in passing and scoring the Dolphins, ranked 29th in the NFL. Their defense, 30th overall in the NFL. 22nd against the rush, ranked 29th against a pass, which is not good when you're going up against Matt Ryan and scoring tied for 29th. Turnover differential, Falcons are minus three, Dolphins minus two. Not going to be an easy one today for the Miami Dolphins. Not going to be easy the rest of the way against any team that they face, but hopefully today they're able to figure it out and get a win. I would like to see a victory today at Hard Rock Stadium for this Miami Dolphins team and hopefully build off that momentum as we move forward because it's not going to get any easier. Immediately next week, you have to travel to Buffalo on Halloween to face the Bills. Then it gets a little easier. Then the schedule lightens up a bit, but you face Matt Ryan, then you face Josh Allen, Probably not going to beat Josh Allen and the Bills in Buffalo after they've dropped 35 on you here in Miami. So you definitely want to win this one before you have to get on a plane and head to Buffalo. This has been the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show right here on 560 WQAM. I'll toss it over to Channing Crowder and Kevin Rogers as they'll have Dolphins game day. And then your kickoff is coming up at 1 p.m. later today. I appreciate everybody who tuned in today. I will be at Hard Rock Stadium hoping for a Dolphins dub, something we've only seen once this season, yet to see at home. Again, Dolphins Rewind Show, 8 a.m. every Sunday with me, Alejandro Solana. Follow me on Twitter at AlexMSolana. I will talk to you next week, hopefully after a Dolphins victory. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.